Welcome to the OTP. My name is Mike Keith, joined once again by Amy Wells. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. We have a big-time guest with us on the OTP this week. Oh, this is a huge one. I'm this really excited. This is a huge get. It is our head coach, Mike Vrabel. Welcome to the official Titans podcast. I can hear the excitement in your voice. <laughs> yeah, we've I got excitement. It's kind of early, you know? <laughs> it's, it's early, but we're glad to have you on the show. I want to ask you first about the Igniting the Fire series that we're doing on Facebook Watch and, and through our digital media channels because this has gotten great response. And it, and it was really your brainchild. You were the driving force behind doing it. Talk to us, if you would, about what gave you the idea that, that we should do this type of series showing the Titans organization from behind the scenes. Well, I think, one, we did it in Houston. We were on Hard Knocks. And I thought that uh, the fans liked it. I think, you know, I'd go home and i ask my kids, what did you guys think? And, and they enjoyed the show. Uh, I listened to the league speak at the owners' meeting and talked about trying to grow our brand and, and through social media. Um, and then I just got to know our, you know, in-house media staff. I thought you guys, you know, everybody has done a great job. I thought, you know, Mike and Amy and Ashley, especially Ashley, um, and that staff, I thought that they would be able to do a great job. Talk to John about it. Talk to Amy about it. And, uh, you know, everybody seemed excited. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, over the course of the next five or six weeks, our fans will be able to see kind of what we've done in the last 10 weeks of being here. You've got to build a trust factor really in a short period of time in order to be willing to do that. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, the people in this building, everybody that's here, um, is here for a reason. I think that's to help us win. And, and part of that, though, is, is being able to let our fans know what we do because the, the media really isn't a part of what we do um, starting in, in March with the OTAs and the Phase 1 and what Phase 2 looks like, the meeting time, and, and where we're at on the field and how we're trying to develop the players. The amount of access that we're able to give fans throughout the show is kind of remarkable and unprecedented, especially for the Tennessee Titans. What are you hoping that fans notice in being able to pull back that curtain a little bit? I think just appreciate uh, how much work the players are putting in and, and what they do on a daily basis and, and their commitment to this team and the, this organization and this community. What do you think surprises people or will surprise people as they watch this in terms of what they're able to see? You know, I'm not really sure what's going to surprise them. I think that um, hopefully they, they realize that, uh, you know, I, I got gas yesterday morning, and, and the girl, you know, was after I paid, she came running out to the pump, and, and she asked to take a picture, and I was like, yeah, of course. And she's like, oh, you're just like a normal guy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I buy coffee, I get gas. And, um, you know, it was funny just just to think that yeah, that's what I hope we are. I hope we have a bunch of guys that are people in this organization that are just normal people uh, that, that work hard and love football. Coach, since you've been here, you've been asked a lot of different questions. And Mike and I made a list of maybe some of your most frequently asked questions, maybe things that you're potentially tired of answering. Okay, so can we run through those real quick? Yes, only if you can tell me what your favorite answer to some of those are that I've given well, after we finish How this about uh, in terms of your playing career, 
Can't stand it. Gotcha. <laughs> Questions about that begin with, do you remember? Do you remember your first training camp? Do you remember your first meeting? Do you remember being a rookie? Um, yes, I remember all okay. those. The, the other one, too, and we've done this, too. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're as guilty, we're guilty. as anybody. What has, it's lazy. It's lazy. No, it's not necessarily. Okay. What has surprised you about being a head coach? Yep. Okay. Uh, all things related to the New England Patriots. Correct. And Bill Belichick. Probably. Okay. Uh, do you care about any position other than linebacker? Because you're always asked about the linebackers and then and then Yeah, I'd say that one's probably a little further down on the list. Yeah. yeah. Well we're, we're going I know, down. We're, yeah, we're, I know. <laughs> and then some Tom Brady questions too. you've gotten some but not a lot. Some but not ton. Yeah. Um but I think the first two, uh definitely. You, know, you don't do you like you don't like talking about your playing career because it won't help us win a game. It won't help um, really us do anything that we need to do going forward. I, I when I sat and talked to the team when I had a chance, I tried to you know make the meeting short in the in the morning, just because we're on a tight schedule and we had to uh, we had to get to a lot of people. You know, all had to go with special teams and offense and defense, and then Tom in the weight room and then practice. So there was a there was a schedule that we had to be on and. You know, one thing I talked to him about is our reputation as a team needs to be based on what we're doing and going to do as opposed to what we did. And I would apply that to my playing career. Like, that's not going to help us win a single game. It's not going to help Rashawn develop. It's not going to help anybody, Harold, develop or play better or Dane or right on down the line. So that, that uh, I, I need to be a better coach uh, than I was a player. Okay, but there is one exception. When people bring up your twelve touchdown receptions, oh, absolutely, he will. He will talk about that, and that's the one thing absolutely. that I've seen you will discuss. Now, why is that fun for you to talk? Well, about? it's just I think it was fun. It was um, it was an opportunity to help the team, but also have some fun and and go over there and that thing kind of just you know it snowballed from hey we might need an extra tight end, got a couple guys hurt, let's throw you in there, and then. Uh, you know, it became a role, but it was a role that was it was a role on Fridays. I would go down there and meet for 15 minutes and they'd hand me a sheet and say, memorize the plays and never asked me to block. So that was good. <laughs> um, but it, it's just something different than uh, just outside linebacker. Is, is the story true, though, that you would warm up catching passes? Correct. Yep. From Drew Bledsoe. Really? Yep. Huh. So Drew, Drew was a great teammate. We got there. There was a bunch of new families in 2001. 20-some free agents that signed, and a lot of those guys had kids, and, and Drew would open his house up and had parties. I mean, it looked like a carnival uh, to, to kind of welcome all these new families. And so I got to know him pretty well, and we would just go out, and I'd go out a couple hours before the game. He'd warm up, and I'd start running routes, and apparently he came in and said, this guy could actually probably play tight end. And they probably laughed it off at first, and then I think in the second year, 2002 maybe, uh, they gave it a try. I'm hogging. But I apologize. No, please. But can I ask one more question about Bledsoe? Yeah. With all of the Brady, and, and listen, Tom Brady is right at the top of all-time great quarterbacks. Drew Bledsoe's legacy gets lost a little bit, and what he did for the Patriots and how good he was, particularly in his prime. Fair statement? Absolutely fair. He was, he was a great quarterback. It's just you're based as a quarterback, you're based on wins. And, you know, he threw for a bunch of yards. Uh, he took that team to the Super Bowl. Um, they didn't win it. And then 
then coming around in 2001, that was kind of the, the birth of, of Tom Brady with Drew's injury. But the one thing I always remember that people really don't talk about is Tom got hurt in the AFC championship game. And Drew came in and, and threw a touchdown and really won that game for us. And so he, he struggled through being a backup. Um, and then he got an opportunity and he came in and he was able to be successful and help us win. So that's the thing I'll remember most about Drew is that he was able to come in there and win that, that AFC championship game back in Pittsburgh. I know that. Your turn, Amy. I, I'm sorry. I, I made I, it they're in. They're going to turn my microphone <laughs> off now because I'm going to start Drew Bledsoe talk if I don't watch it. That's okay. Drew Bledsoe was a good player. He was really good. And you know what? He, he uh, was it uh, tweeted at Luke Falk when he picked number 11 because they're both Washington State guys. Oh, that's sweet. Wasn't that a nice story? That that's is adorable. nice. Adorable. I'm it out. Is. I'm out now. Nice. I'm out. Go ahead, Amy. Coach, it seems like your life is in chapters. You're playing chapter, you're coaching chapter, now you as a head coach. But one thing that I've noticed that maybe carries over is your involvement in the community. You're involved in, obviously, you have your own foundation, the Second and Seven. You have been involved in Special Olympics. You've been involved in a lot of different things just since you've been in Nashville. Is that something that was important to you as a player and has just continued on? Yeah, I think it's always been important. I think it's always been important that, um, you know, you, you can help um, anybody that you possibly can, whether that's financially or with your time, that if, uh, if you've been fortunate enough through the course of your life to be given opportunities. I think that it's, uh, it's important to give back. I think that was something I learned at Ohio State. You know, Woody Hayes always talked about paying forward. And, uh, and, and if you're able to, you know, Deshaun Watson said it perfectly. If you can, uh, you must. And so watching that kid last year give that money to those workers in their cafeteria, you know, pretty impressive. And so there's always daily reminders around, around you um, that, that you can help other people. And I'm proud of our team. I'm proud of our players uh, that, that, that are, are in the community and helping us out. You have your own foundation, Second and Seven. Is that something that you're planning on bringing to Nashville and doing some things here in this community? It is. Ryan Miller and Amy Hoying are working hard uh, to do that. Um, we, we talked earlier this week about doing some of those things. And, and, and we have you know, plenty of books, you know, right? We, we print books and we, we make our own children's book and a series. And now we got to take it to the next step. How do we hire people and actually get them into schools and to help, um, you know, offset some of the costs that the school districts face to get these learning and reading specialists? And so that's kind of where we're going with the next step is the books are, I think, great, but I think we'd like to be able to, to, be able to place people in schools uh, that, that can help these kids actually understand and comprehend uh, what they're reading. Talk about those books a little bit. Who writes those? How did that come to be? So it's a group effort. I would say that the hog mollies, uh, the characters, are, are a uh, phrase from the O-line and D-line at Ohio State. An O-line coach and D-line coach that used to call us hog mollies and back in 1993. And then Ryan and I started with Luke Fickle. Um, a small football camp. There was like 50 kids there the first year. We only raised enough money for seven second grade classrooms to buy books. And Ryan and I drove up at his Ford Explorer. We walked into Borders Books. The lady gave us like 25% off. We bought every second grade book that we could. And we went to seven classes in Columbus. And then we did three one day and four the next. And then Ryan and I started thinking and Luke and a couple years later, we're like, man, we ought to just write our own book. 
And so Ryan's sister is a teacher and Amy, our director um, at the foundation. And, and we have a lot of people that, that are pretty creative. And so we found a great illustrator who really, I think, makes it and draws the attention. There's a lot of color. The, the figures look great. And so we, uh, we snowballed that. And then we just would come up with different, um, you know, basically themes that these kids can, can understand, whether it be teamwork or decision making and, you know, going through that. Um, process of coming up with a uh, with a theme and then kind of letting it roll from there and it's kind of spiraled um, to every year we hooked up with a publishing company Kendall Hunt out of Dubuque actually where Jen you know Jen's uncle worked for the publishing company and so we sat down with them and they were able to give us a great price on on publishing the books and and it's kind of taken off from there I'm picturing a lot of big guys sitting around writing very nice children's books it's a beautiful picture in my brain it's very nice can I talk now? Yes, you may. So as I'm listening to the two of you talk, and I'm listening to you talk about second and seven, it sounds as if you want to be just as good at second and seven as you want to be at anything football-related. Is there anything you're not competitive at? No, and I think that that's the message. I think, um, you know, Carter Carter had a summer, summer ba- baseball game last night, and it, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it's the school summer baseball. And so it's probably a little bit more relaxed than the season and, and – you know, some kids based on work schedule or vacation, they're not there. And I showed up and, and I've just, you know, I don't think his attitude was where it should have been for a game. And I was disappointed and tried to talk to him about, like, I, anytime you're doing something, I think you should be all in on it, all invested. And not that I'm always like that, but I try to be for the most part, like, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it really hard and, and the best that you can. And so, I think that's the message I've always tried to give, you know, my own kids. I'll try to tell our team that if, if, if we're just trying to find guys that love football and try to be competitive in everything that they do, and hopefully it carries over on the football field. Now, Carter is your son who will be a junior, and he's the baseball player. He is, yeah. He's the baseball player. He's not built for football. He's, he's tall and skinny, and uh, Tyler's got more of the uh, football build, 6'6", 295. So drop him off on Saturday at Boston College, and uh, – shake his hand and give him a hug and then wish him well. And we'll see uh, how each of our seasons go. Wow. What is that going to be like? Are you worried about it? I'm not worried. I think I, the, that staff up there is great. You know, Steve Adazio has got a great staff, got a great program. You know, he's excited to be there. He probably wished he was there four months ago, if you ask him. But he's been able to be around here um, and see, you know, be with us and we're able to see him. So, I think he's he's more than ready, and I think that at times Jen and I are probably more than ready to, to let him go. He's changed, Tyler. Has, yeah. He's changed his body since oh, he's absolutely. been around here. Yeah, I mean, being able to uh, to train and, and understand and lift, and you know, he's young. He hasn't even turned eighteen yet. He'll have his uh, you know eighteenth birthday on Saturday. So he um, he turns eighteen the day that uh, he reports to uh, to training camp for uh, for football. What do you think about all the talk about youth football right now and when kids should start playing and the relationship with flag football? What's, what's Mike Vrabel's view of all this? So I think that flag football is a great sport. I think it's got to be done where it's, it's a smaller group. It's six on six. Um, everybody's eligible. you got a kid that snaps the ball. So anybody can catch a pass. Anybody can run with the football. But there's some space involved. And it don't have to be any blocking or anything on the front line. But it gives kids an opportunity to understand the game, to, to go out for passes, and there's some space involved because, really, that's what football becomes. It becomes a space game. Um, 
that's what we're trying to coach our guys to be able to make plays in space, whether you have the football or if you're trying to get the guy with the football. And so I think that's the first thing that you understand is that that can be that game can t- teach football, but it has to be done properly. You know, Carter probably started probably a little too early, you know, a third grade. You know, everybody you get caught up and everybody's playing in Kansas City. And then I was playing football and Tyler was on a fifth grade team. And I mean, I didn't play football until the seventh grade. You know, Khalil Mack didn't play football until he was a junior or senior in high school, and, and he's doing okay. So I think that uh, we, we have to continue to coach it. We have to continue to have, um, you know, a passion for coaching and teaching, making the emphasis about development. Because mm. my wife and I sit at these baseball games and we have these conversations. You know, she just gets tired of me always talking about this type of stuff, but it has to be about, how do you develop the player that when they are 15 and 16, you find out who they are? Because, you know, maybe the, the, the kids that are the best players when they're, tw- they're 12, they're not the best players when they're 18. And uh, you have to understand that, that it's really hard to evaluate sports and talent um, and ability until a lot of these kids go through, you know, puberty. And they're 15 or 16 years old. So you don't believe in specializing, it sounds like. No, I think that they should try to play as many sports as they possibly could um, to, to help develop skills, um, relationships. I've always asked my kids, and we've moved them around, but we've asked them to, to try out for as many teams as they possibly can. It, it hasn't been easy, you know, going from Boston to, to Kansas City to Columbus to Houston to Nashville, but I think their ability to walk into new settings and to, to make friends and to compete uh, with somewhat of an unknown will hopefully help them down the road. Coach, you're obviously a coach and a dad. Do you ever struggle with that balance and going to watch your kid play, but kind of also knowing how the sausage gets made? Yeah, I think that that's probably the one of the bigger weaknesses that I have. I think that uh, being able to turn it off um, and just enjoy um, what they're doing you know, I struggle with it all the time. I think that, you know, the best place for me is probably right field, you know, kind of just out there away from everything. The further <laughs> I used further to stand down the left field line. Yeah. My, my right field porch is, as I set it up with a, with a pop-up tent and, and, a, uh, and a lawn chair and, and a cooler, and I'm usually pretty good if I could find that set up. Your wife was a college athlete. Mm-hmm. And in talking to players and coaches throughout the years, there's no doubt that that is a, a, a value, something that is very positive towards a professional football player, professional coaches, having a spouse who played at that level. What's the biggest advantage to the fact that your wife was a major college athlete and how it's helped you as a player and now as a coach? Well, I think she's a, you know, she's a huge sports fan of just anything. I mean, she's, she's the one that watches the – the French Open and Wimbledon in the middle of the night, and if somebody's playing, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you're up at 4 in the morning watching Roger Federer or, you know, the Joker or whoever she's following. Uh, but she loves sports. And, uh, I mean, so she'll sit there and watch eight hours of the U.S. Open last weekend and not even bat an eye. And so I think that helps. I mean, she loves, obviously, college football and NFL football. I mean, she's, she's seen probably, I don't know, 300 and some NFL football games that, that I've played in or coached in. And so – I think she understands the the commitment, I think, and, and the competitiveness and the ups and the downs and tries to, you know, tries to keep things in perspective. She does a much better job of keeping things in perspective than I do. Um, 
so hopefully, you know, I think she's planning out her schedule with, you know, Tyler's, you know, games and hopefully his, his participation at Boston College and then being able to, to get back here, I guess, every time they're home, we're home and things like that. So she's got it all figured out and how she's going to be able to get between Boston and Nashville. Wow. So your whole family's a sports family. What do you guys do to turn it off? Is there ever an off switch? Um, you know, right now, no. I mean, just because, I mean, Carter's playing baseball, so we're, we're traveling every, you know, traveling different places or being at, being at games. Um, you know, we, we will try to try to get away. Um, the off switch, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I think hopefully in the next three weeks we can try to find some time where we can just, uh, you know, I talked her into getting this RV, right? And she yeah. was really, really, really not excited about getting this RV and going to these baseball tournaments. But I talked her into it, and so we're going to try to uh, enjoy that in, in the confines of those uh, tight quarters uh, and, and try to get away from the, the team hotel and just uh, try to enjoy each other's company and relax a little bit in that. So we'll see how that goes. Do you have shows you binge watch together? Uh, you know what? We, we do. That's a, that's a great point. Um, so Tyler, he fell in love with The Office. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, God love him. We, didn't, we made fun of him at first because he's watched every episode three times. I don't know, something crazy. So then we start watching it, and we start laughing a little bit, and we laugh a little more. And so now we'll watch that. Uh, we are knee deep in Peaky Blinders, Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, who's on oh, that? I don't know the it's names. Like, it's of like the Irish mob set okay. in the 1920s. Okay. Thomas Shelby. Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen the first like episode and a half. Okay, you might yeah. like it. All right. And mm-hmm. um, Mike likes mob shows. I like mob shows. Then you would like Peaky Blinders. And if you start. Um, my guess is you'll get through the first six episodes by the end of the week. Okay. Um, and we'll usually fall asleep to those around, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock when they just keep running and then you just wake up and, you know, the TV's on. But that uh, we've, we've started that kind of in the summer. So, you know, hopefully uh, we can finish that by the time training camp comes and then it'll just be, uh, it'll be all football. What's your show right now? Oh, my gosh. I've got, I've wa- I'm starting to watch all of these crime shows right now. So... There's Staircase on Netflix. Oh my gosh. It's it's making a murder. It's a documentary. Okay. It's like a docu-series about this guy who may or may not have killed his wife by pushing her down the stairs. What a way to go, you Ooh. know? Whew. I'm really into it right now. I'm all about solving crimes you, in you the You know off what season. we're we're also a uh, a big live PD family. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now when I catch that, I love it. Yeah. I think that is a great cuz it's like it's cool cops. It's like a dressed up version of like the old school bad boys, bad boys, you know, <laughs> you know what like, you're going to do. It's exactly what, uh, what we need because it's, it's so quick. It's hey, let's go from here. This, this scene to another scene. And, you know, we, we've got this going on and they just kind of go from city to city and they kind of just, it, it doesn't, there's no law in the action. Mine, of course, I've just finished the Americans. The oh, Americans man. has just ended. So I'm, I'm without a show at this moment. That's sad. Billions has just ended, so I'm without a show because Billions is a great show on Showtime. So, Mike, favorite football player growing up? Your favorite football player? Seriously? What, I don't get to ask questions? No, no you, you absolutely yeah, can. Yeah, my favorite football player? Uh, gosh. 
had a lot of favorite college football. I was more of a college. That's, fine. That's uh, football. Probably my favorite football player. Um, oh, gosh. Boy, that's difficult. What team did you follow? I followed the Cowboys. because. What I, college team did you follow? Well, Tennessee. I went to Tennessee. Okay, so probably. They had a defensive like, end named Dale Jones who was, who was a passer. He's a, he's a defensive Not Reggie White? Reggie White was an interesting story because he his first three years at Tennessee he was just okay. Wow! And then his senior year he became the minister of defense and figured something out, huh? Yeah, fifteen sacks had set the record. Um, you know, Dale Jones was a guy. I like defense. I, I don't really offense is okay. Uh, so it was mostly mostly defensive guys, okay. linebackers, and guys who rush the pass. And I kind of like the Cowboys too. I like Danny White, Randy White, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett was probably my guy in all of that. Um, Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Aliquippa, PA. That's okay. Exactly. How about favorite basketball player? Oh, I, I, Larry Bird. Probably. No question. Yeah, because no I was a Celtics fan. You were either a Celtics or a Lakers fan. I knew some Sixers fans. But, you know, we, we grew up, in growing up here, you followed national teams because this is one of the greatest things about having the Titans here is this generation of kids has a team here. Exactly. We, we followed national teams. My friends were Washington fans and Pittsburgh fans and Dallas fans. and Big Cavs fan right here. Cavs, yeah. Larry Nance. Craig Elo. The Miracle at Richfield. Brad Doherty. Brad Mark Doherty. Price. Yes. John Hot Rod Williams. John Hot Rod Williams. Ron Harper. <laughs> Ron Harper. Yes, they had the greatest PA announcer at uh, the Richfield Coliseum. They, yeah, they're still at Richfield? It was Rod Harper <laughs> from Miami of Ohio. From Amy, Mark Price. Fam, famous, uh, your favorite football player. Oh, my gosh. See, I'm. I started watching football and really didn't... When did you start watching football? Well, like a year ago or how long ago? No, no, oh, no. Wow. <laughs> no, I wow. grew up watching football with my dad. I didn't start paying attention really until probably I was in junior high and high school. So, so that'd be like Brett been... Favre? Tony Romo was my... Yeah. Wow. Do you know she watches tape? I do watch tape. She sits That's at her great. desk and mm-hmm. watches tape and she's got a clicker. I do. And the whole and the whole thing. Oh Love yeah, it. every yeah. week. How about your favorite basketball player? I wasn't a basketball fan growing up. It was always Missouri basketball. So a big Quinn Snyder was our head coach. So I've kind of followed him wherever he has gone. But um, Utah Jazz. Yeah. So we watched. See, him I was in a Utah. baseball guy. Don Mattingly was of oh, all absolute of all of the idols. Don Mattingly was my idol, and Don Mattingly used to come apparently. To, to Titans games. He's really? from Evansville, and that's only 155 miles right. from here. And he would come down to games. So I was playing at a golf tournament in Bowling Green, and he was two carts ahead of me. And and they're like, would you like to meet and Don Mattingly? And you stalked him for four hours. <laughs> so bad. So I, call, I called my best friend, and I said, I, Don Mattingly is two carts in front of me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I wore 23. I read every article about him. I mean – he more so than a football player, a basketball player was Don Mattingly. So I met him, and it was the worst moment of my entire <laughs> life because I went inside and I bought a, a visor from the pro shop for him to sign. And they introduced me. He's like, oh, he goes, my son and I, we follow the Titans. He said something else about coming to a game. I can't really Couldn't remember. Couldn't even remember. I can't Blacked remember what out. it is. And 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 he goes, oh, it's so great to you know talk to you and everything. We you know we've we follow the team or something. And I'm just, 
I'm like, uh, okay. And, the, and he's like, oh, would you like me to sign that? I'm like, I couldn't even speak <laughs> words. It was so horrifying to, to have that moment because I've been around athletes. I asked Michael Jordan a difficult question in a press conference once. I, I mean, and you froze in front oh, of Don Mattingly. Oh, just uh, no, didn't just freeze. I just locked up, melted, <laughs> locked up. It was the worst, absolute worst moment of my entire life. Big Indians fan, Corey Snyder. Corey Snyder, sure. Albert Bell. Albert. Joey Bell. Albert. Mm -hmm. Got paid for several years after he quit playing due to a very good contract. Hmm. Any of this make you're, – you're not a baseball person at all. I'm not a baseball person. I went to the Louisville Slugger Museum recently oh. and felt just like the dumbest person in the room. It was so interesting, but they're like, oh, yeah, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so used this bat. I was like, that's probably cool. I don't but know. But you got, you got the Cal Ripken thing. I got the Cal Ripken thing from my years going to Orioles games. All right, so that's so, about it. All right, so here's the question. A friend of mine says recently – that judgment on people can be made by answer to one question. I'm okay. like, really? What's your favorite movie? Ooh. Your favorite, he claims your favorite movie tells everything about you in however many words in the title of the movie. Okay. So what's your favorite movie? Uh, mine's Remember the Titans. I've seen it 864,000 times. Are you just saying that because we're the Titans? No. I, I went and are. saw it in the theaters with my dad. Okay. Yours, sir? Wedding Crashers. Ooh. <laughs> nice. That's solid. That is a solid yeah. choice. T Tyler and I can sit there and we'll watch like the first hour of it and just pretty much just laugh hysterically and then just get up and we'll leave. I, I have a tie, actually. That's how weak I am. Okay. Animal House. Fair. Godfather. Sure. Yeah. You like all things mob. I do. It's very I do. disconcerting. I know. I understand. Ah. I'm I, Sopranos. Um, You're gonna love Peaky Blinders. Go I, check maybe it out. I don't know if I'm gonna do the Gotti movie or not. There, it's gotten zero Rotten Tomatoes. So. <laughs> hey, let me ask you about another person because you get asked so much about Belichick, and and you get asked about the different people throughout your career. I'm fascinated by Urban Meyer, mm -hmm. and, and I think all people in the Southeastern Conference who are fans were fascinated by him because he blew into this conference, and then he kind of blew right out, and he was wildly successful. Your first meeting with him was was something else, wasn't it? The first actual um, – yeah, I guess it was the first meeting. I mean, he came in and, and he evaluated pretty much – I think it was bowl practice. He'd been named the head coach. And uh, the staff was still going to coach the you know, Gator Bowl or whatever we were in. And then we met, and he was still skeptical of a uh, former player and why are you doing this? I'm not really sure why, you know, can I trust you and all these things. And, and what he did is he really made me um, prove to, I think, myself and him that, that this is what I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of my life. And uh, then I interviewed, and it was awful. I mean, I think the interview was awful. I never interviewed for a job, especially a coaching job. And, you know, he called me late um, – after the interview, and he was like, that was awful. He was like, that was, that was brutally awful. Um, I want you to come back and, and, and visit again at 6 in the morning. And I, and I got up, you know, got up and, and left the house, went down to the office, just tried to put my thoughts together a little better. Obviously, it couldn't have been any worse. And so stayed down at the office and, and, and was ready to go. Uh, next morning, um, did much better, was much more comfortable, was much more prepared. 
you know, and it's a good reminder. It's always a good reminder. And, you know, I went into these head coaching interviews and, you know, I would text them or call them and say, hey, heading in for another interview. You know, no matter how this one goes, it can't be worse than my first one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you'd always say you're going to do fine. You'll be you'll do great, blah, blah, blah. But it's, uh, it, it, you know, you always try to learn from people uh, that you're in contact with, whether that be a friend, a coach, um, somebody that you meet. Uh, if you have the ability to just pay attention and focus, you can learn something from everybody. Why is he so good? Uh, he's he's ultra, ultra competitive. He's driven. Um, he's creative. Uh, he demands that, uh, that you be a good teacher, that uh, he doesn't want to hear that it's that kid's fault. You know, he, he says it's the coach's fault, that it's your job to figure out uh, how they need to learn and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're catering what you're doing to the player as opposed to trying to force something on them. So I think that I learned how to be a, be a teacher from him, um, handle different uh, learning styles. Is there one person that you would point to as being the biggest influence on the way that you coach today? You know, I watched my dad coach basketball when I was little. And I was an only child, so I, I did a lot with my dad. I was always at practice. You know, we'd always have, you know, kids over to stay the night. We'd, you know, whole team would come over. But during, like, winter break, summer break, I was at open gym. I was at summer league basketball. I was the ball boy. Christmas break, I'd get up, go to the gym, you know, go. Exp- this is back when high schools had, like, trampolines and, and ropes, climbing ropes, you know, all this stuff that was in the other gym. And I would just sometimes go over there and be in a trampoline doing flips or trying to swing from the, the ro- all the stuff that's not in schools anymore, obviously, in 19, you know, <laughs> 85 or 1982. So um, I watched him coach. He, he coached hard. Um, he was passionate cared about his players they would they would be over at the house you know there would be Super Bowl parties and you know they were entertaining and had the players over so you know I think probably just learning and watching him coach and just you know being passionate about the game and and trying to trying to be a teacher we've already seen you can separate and does that come from your dad in other words you're different off the field with your guys than you are on the field and not every coach can and, and even wants to separate. Right. Uh, you know, Bill Young was our, was our D-line coach at Ohio State. Um, he was a great D-line coach and still coaching now. But, you know, when you got down there as a freshman, you're like, man, this guy is a lunatic on the field. And then he'd walk <laughs> through the locker room and he'd sit down and he'd ask you about school or your girlfriend. And then at first you were like, what, what is this? Is, who is this guy? And uh, – you know, you realized at that point that there was a there was a separation that was being made. He was trying to push you hard on the field and and trying to make things hard, and then you know wanted to kind of get to know you and see how things were going um, off the field. So, you know, just try to be real, try to be genuine, try to be honest with the player. I think that they respect that. I don't think you can BS them or you can try to try to fool them. I mean, these guys are these are all smart guys. They're all professionals. Um, so you try to be honest with them and you try to give them things that can help them help themselves, and, and then in turn help the team. Coach, we're rounding the bend towards training camp. We're getting closer. Do we get a little preview from you? What are we going to see at camp? Uh, you know, hopefully we see, um, you know, a team that's, that's focused, a team that's, that's driven, that's competitive, that can practice hard, that can take care of each other. Um, we, can, we can practice fast and stay on our feet, you know, and avoid a bunch of guys on the ground flopping around. Hopefully we're conditioned. Um, 
hopefully we're having some fun. We find ways to have some fun um, because you have to, I think, in this process, you have to have some fun and you have to have some humor. And it, it's hard. You know, it's hard going out there and 90, 90 guys and it's hot and uh, practices are hard. Uh, so hopefully we can find a time to, to have some fun and, and relax a little bit, but also, you know, get a lot of work done. I really hope you roll up to camp in that RV. That would be just so cool. Awesome. I might just sleep in it. I might just pull it out front in my parking spot and just sleep in it. <laughs> Mike, what has surprised you most about being a head coach? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move back to move that one. I figured we should end with it. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time with us for this and for sharing about your family. You know, people in this part of the country are are fascinated by what's going on with your boys and your wife and, and everything. It's one of the, the great parts of living here is people really do care. And uh, not that they don't in other places, but they're, they're excited to have you and your family as part of this community and as, as to be the head coach. We're, we're excited to be here. You know, I think that uh, growing up in the Midwest and spending some time in Houston and Boston and all these different places, I think what you realize here is that you get, you get the, enough of the Midwest – with a with a southern flavor, that uh, that it's pretty cool for us to be here, uh, to be in the community. We're going to be out, you know. I mean, I I'm not going to hole up in, in in my house and and not leave my house. We're going to do things. We'll be out throwing the first pitch tonight at the Sounds game. Wow, yeah, well, that's we, cool. yeah. Carter Carter, they they're going to let Carter throw it out too with me. So, you know, the first one didn't go so well over at Vanderbilt. It was a little high and outside. <laughs> So I might try to bring it back into the strike zone. That is a great ballpark. Yeah, we're excited. Love we, we going love to Sounds games. Oh, yeah, gosh. we love doing that. When you go to different cities, we've been to the Birmingham Barons, Absolutely. And Columbus Clippers, and all these different places. When you go to Indianapolis, we we love going to those ballparks and you know, being you know, the smaller parks that are downtown. Uh, they're a lot of fun. We went to the uh, Pensacola Waves. So we every time we go through, or we're on a trip. We try to find one and we stop. And you know, so we're going to do the Sounds game tonight. You're going to love it. Yep. Let's hope it doesn't rain. Ah, it just uh, never rains. Not on a baseball <laughs> not field. Not on a baseball field. <laughs> so I will tell you this. So I, okay, I, good. I, you know, it, it, you bring up baseball. I, I coached with a guy in fifth grade, and he, and he was the ultimate baseball guy. Played baseball at Ohio State, and he said, uh, I said, Mike, I said, this is it's not looking good. It's, it's like 70% chance of rain. He said, you know what? When you're a baseball coach, that means it's 30% chance of sunshine. There you go. <laughs> so he, he taught me a lesson about it doesn't rain when you're playing baseball. I like it. And thank you, too, for igniting the fire. I know that is going to help a lot of Titans fans get through the five more weeks that we have of having to wait for training camp. Yeah, probably way too much Mike Vrabel on the first one for my liking. But, well, but uh, you're the head coach. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. You, look, even Amy's like, eh. No, sorry, man. It was okay. <laughs> I can't wait for, uh, for the rest of our staff and our players, uh, for the people to see them. The Tony Dews episode, Tony, your running back coach is, uh, is quite a guy. He is a worker. They all they all better be working. <laughs> that's, that's their job. Teach, develop, and inspire. Thank you that's so much. That's the job description. Thank you, guys. That's Mike Vrabel. Amy Wells, thank you. Great job. Thanks, Mike. All right. This is the OTP, the official Titans podcast. Thanks for listening.